This is Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Well, this past year has been a challenge. I don't have to tell you that. You know it. A uh, challenge to say the least. And in the past few months, you know, many have been challenged with emotional dilemmas after COVID-19 vaccines first became available in the United States. Now, here in Minnesota, now eligibility is pretty much wide open to anyone over 16, but that's as far as eligibility goes. That doesn't mean you're going to get, you know, a, a, a shot right away. You know, it's all about the uh, supply. Some people are waiting their turn in line. Others are deciding whether or not to even get in line. And some are experiencing vaccine anxiety or feeling guilt or feeling shame. And, and maybe you're thinking, well, really, that's a thing. But um, maybe you're thinking, yep, that's exactly me. I've been feeling anxious. Well, you are not alone because this is something that I'm hearing from more and more people. Now, I have Dr. Sophia Albert on the line, a psychiatrist with the University of Minnesota Medical School who sees patients at M Physicians St. Louis Park Clinic. And she's on the line to talk about these three emerging vaccination attitudes and how to manage them as the vaccine access widens to new populations. Dr. Albert, thank you for joining us for Wellness Wednesday. Thank you so much for having me. The word anxiety has been pretty kind of out front in this past year. And I'll just say, you know, I can speak to my own experience. For me personally, um, when the pandemic first hit, I was anxious about something else than I am right now. I mean, we didn't know a lot about coronavirus. And so that was causing anxiety. You know, what will happen if I get sick? Am I going to be OK? And now it's it has really sort of shifted. And, and I think I can relate to some of this anxiety anxiety just around, you know, the timing of actually getting a shot. And so it was this this term vaccine anxiety that I hadn't really heard of before now. Um, so, so what does that really look like? What does that phrase mean? I think you're really correct in describing this past year as being characterized by anxiety. So I think people have been living for the past year under this sort of chronic stress, chronic anxiety type of um, setting. And now we have this vaccine that is available to us. And um, I think it brings um, a whole host of questions, anticipation around when is my time mm -hmm. going to come to get the shot? When is life going to return to normal? Or what is even life going to look like after I get the shot and after we start to go back to normal? And I think just all of those questions um, contribute to some of the anxiety that people are experiencing around getting the vaccine. I also think that some people may be having some anxiety um, associated with their concerns that maybe they don't feel comfortable discussing about the vaccine. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, I think that that comes up um, for people as well. And, you know, what we the party line is that we need to achieve herd immunity. Um, but that doesn't mean that people aren't going to have questions or maybe even some concerns around what is the best thing for them. Well, so how can people cope with this anxiety that they're feeling? Because, you know, it is only natural to feel anxious about it. Anxiety happens when we have a, a fear of something that is unknown to us. Um, so no one knows what it's going to be like to get the, the shot. Um, uh, and so I think one of the best ways to sort of manage anxiety are, are basic sort of simple coping strategies, getting enough sleep, getting exercise, um, getting outside, and, and finding connection with other people. I also think that being able to talk about one's anxiety or one's emotions is hugely important to helping to get to the other side of those in some sense. So there's this paradoxical thing that will happen when people have difficult emotions that strangely talking about them helps to diffuse them often. 
this feeling of guilt. Have you heard people talk about this? Yeah. So um, paradoxically, I, I have um, seen this actually a lot in, in health workers that I, I um, either work with or that I treat. Um, okay. So this this sense of um, I'm taking a, a resource when my life is actually dedicated to caring for other people. So mm. there sometimes can be this sort of asymmetry in taking a resource that they feel like maybe would be better for other people to get. So that is something that we are also seeing in people. And, and I think a lot of this guilt actually is sort of the other side of the anxiety um, about um, anticipation for when my time is going to come. It's like I don't want to be the one who sort of is taking the resource um, and, and before other people need it, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that does make sense. And I think there's another word that's come up, shame, vaccine shaming. Can you talk more about that? So we all know that the best thing is for all of us to get the vaccine, because as soon as there's herd immunity, then hopefully this, this pandemic will start to recede. I think there's some people that feel very concerned about getting the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And so one of the responses to that is to say, gosh, you're not doing your part. Why aren't you getting the shot? And I don't think that probably is the most constructive or healthy attitude to take when people do have questions about not getting the vaccine. What is a better way to handle that? When people are in stressful situations, it pushes us into casting choices in maybe binary terms. And um, that simplifies things like it's either a good thing or a bad thing. And it prevents us, though, from thinking more critically about nuances and how we're going to make a decision. So I think engaging people in a dialogue that is going to keep those emotions under control and easier to manage so that people can maybe address some of the things they're concerned about and, and then maybe get to a place where they feel like, yes, this is a choice that I'm willing to make to sort of help us get through this. So keeping dialogue open, I think, is always key. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about vaccine anxiety, vaccine guilt, vaccine shaming. You know, I have one more question before we go. I've seen a lot of this pop up in my social media feeds, especially now that more people are eligible here in Minnesota. It's, um, you know, not the super easiest thing to get a uh, an appointment, but people are getting them and they're getting their shot. Uh, I see a lot of people posting selfies on social media. And I wonder kind of maybe what the psychology around that is. I mean, does that add to vaccine anxiety or is the intention is, look, I did mine. Now you can do yours. Maybe it's more of an encouraging thing. I just I, I've been observing this. So I, I'm just kind of wondering about that. My guess is that it is about sort of I've done my part and um, sort of emphasizing this communal sense that we are all going to do this to help, you know, get through this pandemic and bring it to an end. I've worked with healthcare workers and I hear some of the guilt things. I usually try to remind them that getting the vaccine is also contributing to establishing herd immunity. So you're kind of doing your part for the cause. Sure. The tricky thing is we also want people to feel open about being able to talk about if they have concerns or or maybe hesitancies. Um, And I I think that having open dialogue and and making sure that that's something that's available um, is an important thing to just kind of consider with all of this. I'm talking with Dr. Sophia Albert. Uh, One more question for you before I let you go. Tensions high, a lot of anxiety in the last year. And eventually, we're going to be in a post-COVID world. We're going to get there. How can people begin to emotionally prepare for that? I think all of us are ready to have life go back to um, what it was Mm -hmm. pre-COVID. But I also think that there's going to be a lot of importance to recognizing what we've been through and acknowledging that a lot of loss has happened, the loss of a loved one or a colleague or even a a job. But I think all of us lost a way of life for the past Mm -hmm. um, year, basically. And so acknowledging and sort of um, talking about our, our grief around that loss, I think is going to be 
hugely important. And recognizing that it's part of us, it's part of what has shaped our lives, and then recognizing that we also got through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's going to put us in the best position to be able to process the grief and also move on um, and build our post-COVID lives, as it were. I'm glad that you brought up the word grief because you know I think a couple months in the pandemic, I was already talking about grief with people, you know, grieving time, gr- yeah. grieving loss of job, grieving, like you said, loved ones. And then here we are. We're in April of 2021 and we're still, you know, like it's like the light is there at the end of the tunnel, but, you know, we're not quite there yet. And then to somehow get to the other side and then, you know, maybe not to be too desensitized to what we went through. Absolutely. And also being um, sensitive to the fact that for some people, this pandemic hit them even harder. Mm -hmm. Um, I think talking about grief is something that we're really going to need to be doing a a lot of sort of focusing on as things start to return to normal. Because I I think the other side of that is not pretending that this didn't happen. Life isn't going to just be a a complete replication of what it was before. We've, Mm -hmm. We've been through something really difficult. And I think it's when people can own that and sort of incorporate that into their life narrative that they do the best. And even seeing it as something, gosh, remember that we got through it and seeing it maybe as a source of strength for surviving and powering through. Dr. Sophia Albert, a psychiatrist with the University of Minnesota Medical School who sees patients at M Physicians St. Louis Park Clinic. Well, Dr. Albert, I really appreciate you joining us for Wellness Wednesday and taking the time to talk about this. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Wellness Wednesday from The Current. I'm Jill Riley. Our producer is Anna Weggel, and our digital producer is Jay Gabler. Our theme music is a portion of the song FB1 Number 2 by Christian Bjorklund under the non-commercial Sharealike 3.0 international license. Head to thecurrent.org for more wellness content and great music.